You're listening to That Chit Show, a podcast about overcoming trauma. I'm in Castle. Let's get on with the show. Welcome to season two of That Shit Show. In the first season, I spoke to guests who'd faced significant trauma and worked their way through it to experience what's known as post-traumatic growth. Season two of the show focuses on the people who can help you get through trauma. From psychics to psychologists and everything in between, I speak to experts about how they help, who they help and why they do it. Welcome to the show, Stacey. It's so awesome to have you here. Stacey, uh, author of Single Pringle, a new book that's coming out through Murdoch Books. So welcome, Stacey. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Wow. Hi, Emma. Um, well, I'm a newly um, published author, I suppose, is the first thing. I'm a, um, a, a very passionate self-care advocate and I really have found my way from a very busy media career into a focus of sharing my story to try and help people get in touch with their intuition, find a place to be comfortable in their solo self and really have that solo time as a way for you to con- completely plug into I guess that inner voice or what I like to call that inner friend Um, and so have created um, a business around trying to do that in creative and really fun light ways where appropriate. Yeah okay so you're a published author you had a super busy media career and you also do a bit of coaching as well right so Mm -hmm. you have see coaching clients so what sort of challenges do you help those guys through? It was funny because I was a little bit of an imposter moving into coaching. I think it's a lot like a lot of different career changes. People start with a hobby or start with something they're interested in and then say, I'll do this kind of study, but I'll never be a yoga teacher. or I'll do this, but I'll never do this. And coaching was a bit like that. I, I did a, um, a coaching certification, but more for me to figure out ways that I could express in different, um, com- like express different complexities in my broadcasting or in my work. I didn't actually realize it was a coaching certification. It was more about how to um, use spirit to tell stories, but use spirit to help as well. So at the end, you know, they gave us that this information, you know, there was also a meditation course in there. And I just loved Loved it for my own um, self-healing and my own development, which I have done so for the past 20 odd years, really, since I was about 18, um, I'd been doing kind of deep dives and different versions of courses, but never really accredited some form of hours or anything. It was all just for myself. And then when I started to really look at ways that I wanted to I don't know, the be of service word is a very big term, but I certainly wanted to share with a bit more intention, I suppose, would be my way of, um, I suppose, uh, authentically moving through that statement. Um, I really was kind of met with a bit of um, hesitation and this imposter syndrome, who am I, how do I do this? And once I started to work bit by bit through those hurdles, I decided that instead of jumping into coaching, I would share the things that I felt like I had authority to share in. And the first one was this idea around values and types when it comes to dating, but when it also comes to choosing things in your life. Are we working with a types, I guess, measuring system or are we deeping, Are we diving deeper and working with our value system? And then I put that into a more of a, um, I guess, a dating package, uh, which is certainly what was the game changer for me in my dating life. 
So I started with courses like that. Then I did an intuition course because I'm a very big believer in finding practical skills behind these very big sweeping statements. Find your intuition, get in touch with thyself, be your best self, empower yourself. But what the F does any of that actually mean? Uh, So I'm a very practical person. So I started to just really um, navigate my way to find the tools that I used um, and also now with this new accreditation, that kind of bit of confidence I needed to speak with a bit more authority in this space. So I did that. And then sure enough, clients that are coming in and saying, I, I'd much prefer to do things one-on-one or would you think about doing this? Uh, and so I started with a group coaching practice at the beginning of every season. I felt like that was a real lovely way to open up the next quarter of the year. And I felt very, uh, it felt very true to me, but then sure enough, again, everyone was like, I don't want to say all this stuff in front of other people. I, I want to be able to do one-on-one, which is when I ended up uh, focusing on one-on-one. So really though, I guess the intention, but also uh, the work that I do share and the work that I do focus on is very similar to what it was dependent on whichever way you look at it in the book, in the courses, in the coaching, in my life, it is all around trying to find a way for us to get the greatest conversation we can with ourselves, to then figure out what self-care practice or ritual you can put in place that doesn't feel like such a slog. And then also what you can choose to do with your life, whether that's your purpose, whether that's your career, whether that's your spare time, whether that's the relationships you have. When you have that inner friend conversation, those things are so much simpler and clearer, not necessarily easier, but simpler and clearer to execute in your life when it comes to boundaries or other, I suppose, practices you can put in place. So really it's kind of stemmed from there and it continues to stem from there and how that expresses itself will always be, um, I suppose, an evolution. Um, But for now, yes, I definitely coach. I also run different online courses and I also have a club which works kind of like a gym. So you can join, it's, you know, just it's just it's cheaper than a yoga class every week and you can come in and you get three to four different uh tools and workshops um that you can flex that into intuitive muscle the way you would your abs or your bicep so um yeah it's been a very interesting um i suppose road to get here but i feel much more comfortable than i did a few years ago in the transition of it that's for sure okay So your new book, Single Pringle, is about being comfortable with being single. And I mean, this is certainly highly relevant to me at the moment because my husband has just left me. Oh my goodness. I'm sorry. Right. Well, like I've been divorced once before. This is like enjoyed it. But the difference this time is that I have a four-year-old child, a week four-year-old child. Um, but also like around me, I'm like women in their 40s and 50s our marriages are all falling apart. So it's very different for us to kind of go from, you know, when you're young and you're way hotter, (laughs) you don't have children and you're not emotionally effed up. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you you know, you're screwed up in various ways, but you're just young and hot and you have a lot of freedom to go out. (laughs) But like now we're older, we've got like all like houses and, you know, kids at school and stuff. Like what advice would you give women at my stage of life who are looking at being single and who like, you know, the dating pool's smaller. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of blended family issues if we do meet anyone, like a lot of the men have children too. Like how do we kind of re-enter that dating space um, without getting hurt by it or is, is getting hurt part of the 
I don't think getting hurt is a part of it, but I definitely think perspective is a big player here. And that's where a very committed um, self-care kind of practice would be incredibly important at this time because perspective and the way that you measure the pain or the way that you measure the situation is going to really determine how you experience it, right? So obviously you've got a four-year-old child and potentially this has happened out of your terms. It's pretty fucking full on. So it's not necessarily like a measuring system of, I'm going to choose to measure this as fine and therefore it will be fine. That's not what I'm saying. But at the end of the day, there are ways for you to check in with yourself on how you feel in any given moment. And often when we tell the story or we are sharing a certain narrative of what that picture was, which is essentially what you just did because we're recording a podcast and you wanted to ask a question, but there's a picture painted, right? If we paint that picture outside of ourselves and outside of our inner conversation every day, it can become a whole lot effing worse than what we actually feel. So say, for example, your husband has left and not speaking about your experience specifically, but they've left and it is a shit show and you can, it's almost like the way that you get through it is painting it as the shit show. But then if you touch in with yourself every morning and you ask yourself how you truly feel, there's relief and there is freedom. Now that's not to say there's not also pain and worry and anxiety But that means at this point, we're at almost, what, a 50%, you know, 50% fear and a 50% kind of, I guess some would say an empowerment or at least some form of new feeling that maybe you didn't feel in your marriage. If we're not checking in with our feelings and creating the thought narrative about the experience, we can create that experience, which is this is a shit show. I'm going to live it as a shit show. And I'm never actually going to sit in truth because sometimes feeling okay with this said shit show or this said, I guess, explosive narrative is more confronting than actually being not okay. Does that make sense? So the the reality, if we've told ourselves that this marriage is supposed to work and society tells us they all are supposed to work and they're supposed to be forever, then anything out of that story is uncomfortable, even if it feels okay, even if it feels not as bad as the story. So my advice would be through the whole dating thing and through moving out of this, I guess, old life and moving into this new version of self, it would be constantly coming back to a conversation with yourself so you can get real with what your actual experience is from day to day and step by step, as opposed to creating a story about what it's going to be and then having that as your bravado to the world to survive in. Don't survive in the story, survive in the truth. It may not all be pretty. There may be days where that truth is not nice, but there will be just as many where that truth is pretty cool too, because that's the way it's served up. You know, if it wasn't great, there's a really good chance you somewhere intuitively knew that. It's not one person having a shit experience. Even if you feel like you were robbed, there's a good chance intuitively you knew it wasn't working. So don't live in the narrative, live in your inner truth. And the way you need to do that is to have some form of practice. Yes, if you've got kids, it's difficult, but I'm talking three minutes of breath, two minutes of a journal exercise. How do I feel today? And then go with that story. Don't go with the mind story. 
That is so interesting that you say all those things and it just says to me that you really know what you're talking about because relief and freedom are two of the prevailing emotions like beyond sadness. And I've spoken to like a lot of my friends and stuff who have been through this and they are just like, Em, think of the freedom. Like they're all, everyone's like freedom. Like, cause when you have kids, like freedom becomes a rare, like where it's a rare thing, right? Like, and so, um, yeah, it's almost like we can kind of redefine what relationships are because we've been through the whole marriage and kids thing and, you know, it didn't work. It didn't work. It didn't work for us and it didn't work for or, us. Or, and I guess that comes back to that perspective. It, it worked till this point. Like you're comparing now it didn't work to a societal patriarchal construct, right? So it didn't work is according to men a million years ago of what the sanctuary of a Catholic marriage was. This is the life we live. This is the country we live in where our ideals of relationships are compared to this prehistoric notion of what a successful relationship is. Now, sure, as humans, we all want to co, we all want to kind of couple up. That's, that's primal. I get that. But it's also primal in our day-to-day life for us not to be living in agony and to, you know, basically you want to eat the other person if they're pissing you off if we're talking super primal so it's natural for you to also go this isn't working where do I find somewhere else to lay shit and eat like it's this is it's we've got to be realistic with the fact that two things we are living in a very different life to where the rules were created and another thing is we're still living by those rules in the different life so let's not look at it as being it it didn't work per se in that it's almost like a failure. Sure, it hasn't worked to the level that you thought it would and it hasn't worked in a comparison to this measuring system that's quite prehistoric and male-led, but it worked to a point and it's now not working anymore and that's that, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I guess going forward for, you know, whether you're young, whether you're old, whether you've been married or not, like whatever, like what are some of your kind of key tips for women who, you know, maybe are just going to embrace being single? Like they, you know, it is kind of, yes. (laughs) So you kind of just go, okay, I'm I'm just going to be single. I don't need a partner. Um, How do you kind of navigate that? in a world that's constantly telling you that part of your worth is in your ability to attract a mate or to be attractive full stop. That's what the whole, without kind of trying to put the book in, it is really what the whole book is about because I found myself really struggling to leave not a great relationship, quite a toxic relationship because I was more scared of the life you just explained than being in something very damaging for me. And I started to realize just from using my brain that that doesn't make sense. It is not cool that I felt like the better option was to be in something quite abusive than to be on my own. So I went on a trek for six years to try and figure out why that was the case. I broke down, um, I suppose, societal norms and the way that my family had taught me about what a marriage looked like or what a successful life looked like, which often meant a relationship. 
Um, and that's all part one of the book of going back of like, okay, where the F did I learn these lessons and what is still being taught and how do I be aware of that? So I know that when this narrative, or I suppose these thoughts are coming through that I also get off my own back and realize that we're being fed this as women every day. So it starts to take a little bit of the pressure off your shoulders to figure it all out and start to understand why we think the way we do. It's not all up to us. I'm a very big practical, you've got control of your life, self-care is in your hands, but there's also elements of our life where we find ourselves, not elements, every day where we find ourselves in a world that screams certain things at women. And this is a big one. Being single as a woman is still the worst thing you can be as a woman. It's not an ideal scenario. Just ask Uncle Jim. Just ask your boss, Greg. Just ask your dad. You know, it's very worrying. And therefore, that just seeps in. So the first part of the book is about that. The second is about using it as a way to find your truth as opposed to what you believed your truth was. And these are all things that you can get busy doing in this time as opposed to thinking about meeting someone else and, you know, the second, the third part of the book is then when you figure out your actual truth, let go of everything you thought, wipe your slate clean. Sure, you might end up with a few things you already had, but for the argument, for the argument of the book and trying to work through it, you wipe everything off. You may be taking some things from the past, but you take a whole new lot of um, things that you want to, and then you turn it up. You find ways to turn your self-worth up so bright and so big that you you kind of put it out there to attract things you never thought were possible before the last relationship and in that relationship. And you get busy doing that crap. You get busy working on that. And you have fun with dating and you don't date for a partner. You date to learn about yourself. There's a whole chapter in the book about this, how I stopped dating to find the one because chances are that you ladies, as you're talking, there is no one. You've already been through number two, number three. Like this is, there is no one. It's a concept of, I suppose, um, you know, substantial relationships or substantial connections or like life-changing connections is another one, but there can be many, you know, there really can be many. I would always think that no matter what happens in my relationship, you know, Ben will always be a version of the one because I had my child with him and that's going to be sacred. But I, I said to him when we married, and I wasn't even sure I wanted to get married, I said, I need to, I need you to know there's still things I'm not sure I want to explore. I've never been with another woman. I've never done this stuff. I don't know if eventually those are things that I will, I will crave. I don't today and I haven't yet, but I want you to know I'm an evolving person. And I also have an expectation that you'll evolve with me for this to work. That was still an open door. I was like, I will marry you on, on, on the account of you being aware of all of this. So it's, it's really important, I guess, to get real busy in having fun with yourself and also having fun in the shit parts and then imagining, I suppose, the life that you want because it doesn't necessarily mean in order for you to be empowered as a single person, you don't ever want to meet someone again. That's the other thing they say with women is the second you're empowered and single, it must mean that you never want to meet someone. It is utter BS you can be completely confident and comfortable in your solo self and still aspire for a healthy, loving connection, a healthy, loving relationship. But I think we need to kind of wipe everything out in order to really get those, I suppose, longer term 
um, connections that we're looking for. And certainly if you've gone through it a few times, there'll be other fears that you'll have that it will hurt again or you'll go through it again. So you do want to make sure that this time is really about you getting an idea of what it is you want and sticking to that. So there's so much you can do to get busy in your life and enjoy other men, women, you know, people's company through sex and or through not without necessarily having to dive into focusing on a relationship. Having said that, just to wrap up the question, you can be confident and content and comfortable in your single self and not ever date. It's not about you picking a side, but it is certainly about you picking yourself first in that whole scenario. Because mm. I guess, you know, there's dating takes a lot of effort these days. Like it's not, especially if you've got kids and, you know, maybe you've got a joint custody or whatever, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's like maybe not a lot of time and there's the apps and like, how do you actually meet someone? Like, it's not like it used to be at uni when you used to just wind up with a boyfriend <laughs> on a Sunday morning. <laughs> but it's interesting because I tell you what, Emma, I like regardless, I was in my 30s still. Like, you know, as much as I, I um, some of the stories through my 20s, the, my 30s when everybody was having families and was having, you know, buying house, doing all of those things, I would have this weird thing on a Saturday night would come up and I, I was working. I was quite happy in my life. I definitely wanted a family. So I was never a woman that was unsure of that. I always felt very confident and very sure that I wanted to mother. But I started to have to think about what that would look like uh, if it was on my own and if I wanted to do that on my own or if I had to walk through a road where I accepted that that may not be what my path was even though deep down I knew it was, you have those moments, right? So on my Saturday nights, I felt quite content with where I was at, but there was this this constant, you know, two voices in my mind of then what I would do on Saturday nights. Do I go out with these single people that I don't really know that well, you know, that like to drink a lot, that, you know, are going to be out there Mm -hmm. and putting themselves out there in the world? Or do I sit at home with my best friends, a couple, and have a, a few wines and laugh about the week and connect. And I realized after a period of time that the latter option was always going to bring me closer to meeting someone because I was content, I felt safe, I felt comfortable and happy. And if you're a manifestation person, which everybody is, regardless of whether they think they are or not, even if you're not working the law of attraction, it's working. So you can say you're not into it, but it's still happening. It's it's an energy system that's moving around us, regardless of whether you want to tap into it or not, it's happening. So the manifestation element of it is, is that you attract what you feel, right? So if I'm out there looking for someone in a club, feeling completely empty, unsure about my um, intention of being there and feeling pretty, I suppose, desperate in some ways and, and lost, there's no way I'm going to attract someone. There's so much more likelihood that I will attract someone being confident and comfortable at home with my kids, being social in those environments that make me feel good and trusting, trusting in that inner conversation that I'm building that spark up to become so bright and so, so attractive that I won't have to do anything at all. I don't have to practically figure out how to do this, that I work so hard on that inner spark brightening that actually that is what will end up taking me to a, to meet somebody if that's what you desire. 
It's not to say everybody desires that. You might get out of a relationship and go, I need 10 years on my own. That's great. But if you are somebody that's looking, don't think that being physically out there is the thing that's going to make you meet someone. It's how you feel inside that's going to change the game for you. Right. Okay. I would argue that you do have to leave the house sometimes. (laughs) Well, you do to live your life, but you don't have to to hunt. So you can live your life and have somebody meet someone at a class that, I don't know, you're doing some random painting class because you're trying to put yourself out there for yourself and you want to take yourself to a movie on your own to stretch yourself. Like that doesn't mean you stay a hermit. But it means that you're doing these things for yourself rather than looking for someone. Okay. And you're putting yourself in scenarios and examples that, of course, have people around you, but that's not what the focus is. You're doing things that make you feel good first. Mm -hmm. And should you sort of conduct a review of your former relationship to kind of see where, like really realistically see where you might need to sort your own shit out like you know I know you're saying like stoke up your own spark and everything but I know for example that I'm anxiously attached Mm. and so and this has been my kind of root cause of all my problems Mm. in relationships and so should I now focus on sorting that out before I even like worry about anything else or what do you think I think um I think a bit of both right I think I think this stuff's not supposed to be all not fun So I know that sounds a bit ridiculous, but say, for example, that part of you, like you said it with such um, like ownership, but lightness, if you're in that space and you've got to a point where you're kind of not laughing at it, but like, right, okay, this is actually something I know. And you're, you're ready to work through it in a way that I suppose is also for you to, I guess, just be light in your crap. And I I, I say that because it's all very well to go into the weeds after you come straight out of a breakup and start to try and fix everything. But chances are you're going to be pretty heavy in it. And so often, and I say this to my clients all the time, the greatest time to, to build a house is in the sunshine, right? So sometimes you may have to feel pretty sad. Sometimes you may have to wallow a bit if that's what you need to go through. Often that's not the time necessarily to really start to hack in to those bigger parts. So I would say, yes, absolutely work through that if that's something that you feel has been uh, something that's held you back in the kind of relationship you want. You don't do it because you were a shit partner and your husband or your partner told you. You do it because you feel like that's something you'd like to shift about yourself you don't want to repeat that again but you do that when you're ready and you kind of can have the ability to look at it without the heaviness because the heaviness will come on and it will be a bit harder of a load to carry now I know that sounds a bit it can sound a bit flippant and it doesn't mean that I take any kind of um I suppose, respect or some form of acknowledgement to how heavy anxiety and depression and those kind of tough feelings can be. It's not like, oh, you might have a really big issue in your life. Just be light about it. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying choose the times to work on it. Choose the times when you feel like you're interested in it, not that you have to do it to fix yourself or to weigh in on changing quickly. Do it when it can feel a little bit like a project. Does that make sense, you know? And then you allow yourself to be a little bit more flexible with it. When the therapist or the coach or the counsellor says to you, 
you know, look at this. It's not defensive. It's not so heavy. You know, it's it's a little bit more like a project or a bit of homework that you can find some enjoyment, I say loosely, in. Um, and and I think that will help. I The other thing I would say is that um, around shifting your yourself, it is really important to figure out, I guess, where those things came from first as well. Because like I said earlier, often we can be really hard on ourselves in the stuff that we don't feel proud of. But there's a lot of the time we could really use with a bit of a hand with kind of handballing it somewhere else. Now, that's not to blame our parents or to kind of shift things. But when we start to do a bit of a deep dive into kind of more complex healing work, whether it's working with energy healers on lineage that comes, you know, energy and lineage that comes through with us, not just our mum and dad, but energetic work in the body of how we can sometimes be carrying that kind of anxious energy of dependency from our great grandmother or our great grandfather. We may not be able to figure out all the stories. So energy work and um, emotional freedom technique, like tapping, I find is really powerful to let go of particular energy that we may not have to mentally work through. There's some stuff that we do definitely benefit from mentally working through, but there's also a whole other physical element that potentially may need some some looking at to assist with the mental work that you do and also may assist you to take a little bit of the pressure off it's all you. Does that make sense? There's a few parts there, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um Oh man, you're cool. Um, <laughs> pleasure. So, Stacey June, author of Single Pringle, how can we connect with you? How can our audience like love you as much as I love you? Oh, Emma, that's so lovely. It's been such a great chat. Uh, so, you can connect with me on socials, which is really not necessarily idea. If everyone thinks that you love socials, I don't love socials, but that is where essentially a lot of my work and a lot of the stuff I do and hang out with. But I have started the self-care club in order to get off those mediums, to get off, I guess, that real, that kind of zappy, vacant energy at times uh, and connect with people IRL in real life. So there are chat groups that we have. um, There's a regular monthly catch up that we do. And then we work through a lot of this stuff, whether you're single or not, um, as a community, you know, and we try this month, our theme is to like find all different practices where we can let joy enter our life. We've done kind of a lot of heavy boundary work and we did a lot of self-worth stuff in the first few months. So now it's time to find a way to enjoy the life in amongst the work. So it is um, very much like that. So, yeah, I'd love people to come in and trial the self-care club. Um, It is a weekly thing. You can cancel at any time. It is my absolute passion project at the moment. And, of course, the book is available wherever you buy books. Awesome. And um, can people hit you up on like, you know, if they want to have a one-to-one coaching session, how can they do that? Yeah, I have a power session that's available for a one-off, which I've only opened this year because I do think sometimes, particularly with COVID, that real big investment of six sessions might not be something everybody's available to. So um, there's a power session one-on-one coaching and then there's the full coaching um, six-week Uh, which can be taken over eight weeks. So I like to kind of spread it out the way people feel like they want the space to do so. And, um, and yeah, we deep dive into essentially creating a self-care 
um, ritual for yourself. So at the end of that six weeks, you do not need me and you've got enough tools to either join the club and, and kind of use that as you see fit or go off and completely, um, you know, set yourself up for your own version of self-care. And that will look very, very different depending on who you are. Okay. All right. Well, I love it. And I think everyone needs a bit of Stacey June in their life. <laughs> Thanks, Emma. Your energy is contagious. It's been a very nice way to start my day. <laughs> no. Uh, thank you so much and enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, Emma. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to That Shit Show. I'm Emma Castle and I'm a counsellor specialising in relationship counselling, blended families and motherhood at togethercounselling.com.au. If you're feeling stuck, feel free to reach out to me via my website. And for more episodes, go to the show's website, which is thatshitshowpodcast.com. 